Ah, Father's Day. One of the greatest days of the year. Is it not, my fellow gentlemen? Hey, listen, on this Father's Day sermon, I thought I'd share with you the complexity of the men's thesaurus. Yeah, yeah. it's a sort of interpreter's guide explaining the deeper meaning to what men say. We may say this, but what we really mean is this. And I hope after hearing this, you will have a deeper appreciation of the intricacies of the inner workings of the human male mind. Okay. When a man says, it would take too long to explain. The deeper meaning is, I have no idea how it works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard. The more complex meaning is, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, I can't find it, the hidden meaning is, it didn't fall into my outstretched hand and I'm finished looking. When a man says, I heard you, the deeper analysis is, I haven't the foggiest clue what you just said, and I'm hoping desperately that I can keep faking it so that you won't know. And finally, when a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are, the more complicated meaning is, no one will ever find us alive again. (laughs) Okay, there are many more explanations in the men's thesaurus, but to go into that, I would have to forfeit my mail card even more than I already have. Suffice it to say, we men greatly admire you women for putting up with all of our foolishness. And with that said, I think God did some amazing things when he created fatherhood. Maybe the trait of a good father that is at the top of the list is a spirit of sacrifice. My dad was a head speech coach for our high school when I was a preschool and elementary kid. I can remember in elementary school, after school, going and holding the little cards for my dad as his speech students would time their speeches. I can remember the respect that all of the students had for him. And at one point, my dad was no longer the speech coach. And as a little third or fourth grader, I asked him, well, why aren't you the speech coach anymore? And he said, well, you know, speech meets are on the weekends, and I wanted to spend my weekends with you. You know, he won plaques, trophies, notoriety, multiple consecutive state speech coach of the year awards. But his personal recognition was not as important to him spending time with me. As I look back now, I realize how continuing in that track of success would have opened many more doors for him, doors that would have included more money and more recognition. But my two little sisters and my little brother would be the beneficiaries of a sacrificial dad who was present, who was there. It's the trait of a good father. Another trait is being a good provider. You know, dad and mom decided being present and available was the priority. 
So to make ends meet, the family worked the garden together. The family raised beef and lamb and chickens together. Provision was achieved together. A good father is a good teacher. My dad excelled here. In words and example, he gently led us to the way of truth and understanding. The best teachers are constant learners, and Dad to this day continues to expand his knowledge and insight. A good father is a good encourager. Competing in school sports, I can remember many times looking up into the stands where he and Mom were seated and seeing my dad pump his fist, giving it that, it was all the encouragement I needed. In moments of life failures, because of bad decisions, he was there with words of comfort and forgiveness and reassurance. But perhaps the trait of good fatherhood that I've grown to love the most is that dad has become a companion. I can't tell you exactly when it happened. I think it was sometime after my freshman year in college. I ended up breaking my ankle, and so it freed me up to spend more time at home. And conversations, naturally, were able to take place more often. I remember one time we were discussing scriptures, and we were talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in today's world. I asked him a couple of questions, and I can remember he answered, you know, I just don't know about that. I just don't know. And my jaw hit the floor, and I said, Dad, do you realize you have never said, I don't know, to me? And he said, yes. I said, why did you not ever say, I don't know, when I was in junior high and high school? And he said, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking that if you saw some of my confusion and some of my doubt, that would shake my faith. And I said, well, what, what changed now? And he said, I don't think there's anything that could shake your faith. Can you imagine the encouragement I felt at that? I'm still his son. I still go to him for advice, go to him seeking counsel, but somehow our relationship has entered a new dimension. I don't know how to explain it other than just to say that dad is, dad is just a great friend. You know, in thinking about this Father's Day this last week, my dad and his good traits... I, I wondered if I applied these five traits that popped out when I thought of him. I wonder what would happen if I applied these five traits to the one who taught us to call God Father, Jesus. You know, he referred to God as Father more than any other label. What, what would happen? Seeing these traits in my earthly dad, are they as easily recognized in our heavenly Father? Well, let me tell you, the short answer to that is no. No, these five traits are not as equally seen in our Heavenly Father. They are multiplied measures more seen in our Heavenly Father and every other earthly father as compared to God. Take that first trait of sacrifice. The ultimate example of that, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, offering His blood as sacrifice for all of our wrongdoing, all of our unholiness. Have you ever stopped to think about the blood of God, the blood of sacrifice? I'm going to whip through several scriptures and just 
give you the key reference. If you want to pause, you can do that. Or if you want to take a picture with you, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to whip right through these real quick. I just want you to see it kind of backing up at a, at a glance. His blood, Acts 20, verse 28, bought us. His blood, Romans 3, 25, forgives us. His blood, Romans 5, 9, justifies us. His blood, Ephesians 1, 7, redeems us. His blood, Ephesians 2, 12 through 15, gives us peace. His blood, Hebrews 9, 14, cleanses us. His blood, Hebrews 13, 11, and 12, makes us holy. His blood, 1 John 1, 7, purifies us. There is no earthly blood that can come close to matching that sacrifice. And what about the trait of provision? In Matthew 6, Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about not worrying about daily provisions like food and clothing, shelter. He talks about how God takes care of the birds and the flowers. And then he says this, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, birds, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, Jesus says, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. There is no earthly source that can match the provisions of the heavenly Father. And what about this trait of teaching? Psalm 94, 12. How blessed is the man you train, God, the woman you instruct in your word, providing a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. And the wisest man in the world besides Jesus, Proverbs 3, 11. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. And look what the Hebrew writer says. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training, the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the same time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. You guys know earthly institution can hang with the teaching and the training that we receive from our Heavenly Father. And trait number four, you tell me, you think the Heavenly Father knows how to encourage? I do believe of all of Jesus' stories, 
Hands down, the favorite one is the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. Do you know the actual meaning of the word prodigal? It means to be a reckless spendthrift. And Timothy Keller makes a great point here. Who is more prodigal? The young son who wastes his father's inheritance or the father who recklessly lavishes his grace and forgiveness and takes his son back? That prodigal father accepts his wayward son back home, no questions asked. With regard to the many ways in which each of us have squandered away God's countless blessings and gifts, and yet his forgiveness is forever available. It's unconditional. What on earth can begin to touch that level of encouragement? And I'm at a loss to try to describe this last trait of companionship. Friendship with the Almighty God? Really? Have we really been called to companionship with the Creator of the universe? To date, this is still one of the most stunning things I think Jesus ever said. It's John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends because I've made known to you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me. I chose you. Isn't this what makes adoption so extraordinary? Adoption necessitates a choice. Every one of us at different times has left God alone, and we've gone our own way. But even in our refusal to choose God, He, most surprisingly, still chooses us. A school teacher was registering two brothers for school. She asked for their ages and birthdays, and one of the brothers said, we're both seven. My birthday is April the 8th, and my brother's birthday is April the 20th. And the teacher, confused, said, that's impossible. And the older brother said, no, it, it's, it's not, because one of us is adopted. And the teacher, without thinking, just, just blurted out, well, which one of you is adopted? And the boys looked at each other and smiled, and one of them said, well, we asked Dad that a while ago. But he just said he loved us, and he couldn't remember which one was adopted anymore. Are we getting a window into what is happening with God? You know, ever since Jesus came to live inside, somebody asked God, now, who is that? Well, that's my son. Well, I mean, what's his name? Well, his name is Jesus. Well, I thought that was Jim Bob. Oh, well, Jesus is inside of him. He gets to a point where he doesn't even want to tell a difference anymore. Dr. Jean Garten wrote how a first-grade teacher was discussing a picture of a family in her class. And one of the children in the picture had different color, different color hair than the rest of the family. And a little girl in the class said, well, I bet he has a different colored 
he has different color hair because he was adopted. You see, I know all about adoptions because I was adopted. And one of her classmates said, what does it mean you're adopted? And she said, well, it means you grow in your mama's heart and not in her tummy. At one time, every one of us was a slave to sin. But Jesus paid the price through his sacrifice. And now provision and teaching and encouragement are our constant partners in this life as we journey to the next life. Why? One main reason. Because God is offering friendship that we might be his companions, intimate members of his family. He's a good father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. That's who we are. It just seems to me on this Father's Day, we should sing good father. Let's do that.